Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is A Taxing Question. A Taxing Question, Mark 12, 13 to 17. And Jesus is going to talk about taxes today. But not, it's not the first time taxes were connected to Jesus, is it? A lot of you found that. I sent out that email. If you don't get the emails, let me know, and I'll, I'll give you the weekly updates with the emails. But some of you found the connection. It was the first, when his birth, Luke 2, 1 to 7. And Luke 2, 1 to 7, the first time Jesus is connected to taxes. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem in the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So Jesus' birth is also connected because the census was so that they could tax the whole world. That's why Caesar was doing this. And so Jesus' birth was connected to taxes. And that's how Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem in the first place to fulfill that prophecy. And now we find Jesus going full circle as he gets ready to come to his death. Taxes once again enter into the picture. Taxes are a touchy subject. Nothing freaks us out more than taxes, right? Nothing. The government taking our money, you know, and, and it made the Jews in Jesus' time very mad. I mean, that's how we became a country, right? The, the revolution. They tried to take our money, right? Uh, the British, that is. I think we'd be better off with our taxation system. But anyway, we won't go there. Uh, but it, it made the Jews in Jesus' time mad, too, because they had to pay taxes to Rome, the evil empire. You know, Rome, which had conquered them, they felt Rome was the illegitimate government. They were just slaves. made them very, very mad. So the religious leaders here, we'll see today in Mark chapter 12, they use taxes as a question to try to tax Jesus. It's a taxing question they're using, pun intended, to try to trap him. They decide this is a perfect topic to trap Jesus so they can get rid of this guy, to put a hit on him, right? And, and now he's fighting the religious leaders part two here. The first punch we saw a couple weeks ago, when the, they threw the first punch, they questioned his authority. Once again, you get the CDs or go on the podcast there. He sidesteps the punch, throws a counter punch, which we saw last week, the parable of the wicked tenants, which was them. And now they come back with a kidney punch. We're going to see like a boxing match here between Jesus and the religious leaders. They come back with a kidney punch. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today, the special music. We thank you for bringing each one of us here for this time. And Lord, some of the things we look at today are going to be hard because it comes from your word. But, but we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and minds to accept your word and to obey your word and that our lives would be changed. And if anybody here doesn't know you as their, their Savior, they haven't believed and received your son Jesus that this would be that day. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick up the passage. Mark chapter 12, verse 13. 
Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose portrait is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. So we see, we'll start with verse 13. This is the kidney punch. Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. So we see the, the, the cheap shot, the sneak attack, the kidney punch here. The Pharisees and Herodians come to Jesus together. You've heard the saying, war makes strange bedfellows. This is like World War II when the U.S. and Russia were working together to fight Nazi Germany. You know, we, we were bitter enemies before that, but, but the one thing that united us was, our, was we wanted to defeat Hitler. That was the whole point of that. And this is what we're seeing here. The Herodians and the Pharisees come together. These two are diametrically opposed. They're bitter enemies. Think Republicans and Democrats. Think uh, uh, Eagles and Giants fans. Think uh, you fill in the blank. Bitter enemies here, right? Bitter enemies. And the Herodians supported Herod, right? That's why they're called that. They supported Herod. They're pro-Rome. Herod was a puppet of the Roman Empire. They're pro-Rome. They, they said, we have to compromise in order to survive. That's what we have to do. We have to compromise. We have to be pro-Rome. The Pharisees hated Rome. They said no compromise. They hated him. They detested Herod, that Edomite who had usurped David's throne. Uh, although King Herod claimed to be an orthodox follower of the Jewish religion, his actions showed that he was a fake he was just obviously just giving it lip service. 2,000 years later to, in the USA today, we can find some interesting parallels, but we won't go there. All right? So the politicians are still doing the same thing today, right? Uh, so they hate each other, but what really unites them is they hate Jesus even more. They hate Jesus even more. They saw Jesus as a threat to the status quo for two different reasons. The Herodians saw him as a threat to their status quo because if, if Jesus sparks a rebellion, which is what they were afraid of, if he sparks a rebellion, a revolt against Rome, that's going to mess everything up. And that's exactly what happened later on, not because of Jesus, but because of the zealots, right? The Pharisees were upset because the crowds were going crazy for this Jesus guy. They thought he was the Messiah, which he was. And, and they were going to lose their power, their prestige, their, their wealth, because they were fleecing the people. Remember how he cleared the temple? They were, they were fleecing the people, not just sheep, but the people too. So they, we see the trap in verse 14. They lay a trap here. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Oh, these guys are slimy, aren't they? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So they try to get him to say something that is politically incorrect. So that the PC police can pounce on him, right? That's what they're trying to do. That's what happened to John the Baptist, remember? He confronted Herod on his sin, and that's how he got his head cut off. And they're, trying to, they're hoping the same thing, that he can, will say something politically correct, just like John the Baptist did, and the same thing will happen to Jesus. That's what they're happening. And they start out with flattering him. And they said, how you always tell the truth, your integrity, blah, blah, blah. Now, what they said about 
Jesus was true. He did have integrity. He only spoke the truth. And he didn't care who he was talking to. He spoke the truth. That's what Jesus did. He was not politically correct, right? This is what we should all be like, right? Except Jesus makes it clear. Speak the truth in love. Very, very important. Very, very important. Speak the truth in love. It's what we should all do. But these guys were snakes. They were fakes. They were, this is a pathetic attempt to trap the Son of God here. And it was a taxing trap, a taxing question, because there was no right human answer. There's, it was like a lose-lose for Jesus. There's no proper answer here for him. If he says, no, don't pay taxes, then these, these guys are going to go back and report it to the Roman authorities, and he's gonna crack, they're going to crack down on Jesus because they, well, he's trying to start a rebellion. If he says, yes... Pay your taxes, that's going to tick the people off who think he's so great because they didn't like to pay their taxes and they don't like Rome either. Especially the more patriotic ones and the more religious ones, especially them and especially the zealots who were you know, quasi-terrorists there at the time. One of them was a disciple of Jesus. They, they were hoping if he gets them mad enough, they're going to, they will kill Jesus. They'll get mad, right? The zealots. Well, they, killed, they assassinated a lot of people in Jesus' time. So this looks like a lose-lose situation, but they're not dealing with just any old dummy right here, right? They're going, they're going to get the truth. They're dealing with the Son of God, and they're going to get the truth that they try to, you know, uh, that they talk about Jesus giving out without fail. Verse 15, Jesus calls them out. Look at what he says. Should we pay or shouldn't we but Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and, and let me look at it. He exposes their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? And then he says, bring me a coin. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't pull a coin out of his own purse? Guess why? He didn't have any money. <laughs> he didn't have a full wallet. He didn't have a 401k, although most of us don't have that anymore either, do we? It's a 301, 201k. I, you know, it, we, we, he didn't have that. He lived simply. He had no use for the money. Verses 16 and 17, then he goes on to avoid the kidney punch, and even more, he does something back. They brought the coin, and he asked them, whose portrait is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Since you're using his money, you show you accept his rule. At least in some limited way, you accept his rule, right? Because you're using his money. And besides, it has his name on it and his picture on it. So it's obviously him. So give it back to him. If you find a wallet, you're out walking and you're at the mall and his shop to you drop and his craziness. You find a wallet sitting there. You pick it up and you open it up. And there's a driver's license with somebody's picture and somebody's name on it. What do you do? Well, I, I hope you give it back, right? We hope you give it. You'll go find whose it is. We hope that's what you do. But it's, it's theirs. You've got to give it back. And, and Jesus says give, or the word some of your versions say render. It means to pay back a debt. The word actually, when you say giving, he's saying pay back the debt. We are all in debt to the government. Now, I'm not talking about national debt. That's, that's a whole, we're not going to go there today. But I'm talking about we, we owe the government a debt. We owe for the services rendered. They, they pave the roads for us. Their national defense, the police protection, taking care of the poor. These are things that we owe the government. Give, render, pay back the debt. Okay? But it doesn't stop. Jesus doesn't stop there, does he? Then he goes on to say, give to God... 
render to God, pay back to God what is God's. And they were amazed at that. They thought they had Jesus pinned, and he turns around and body slams them. Next thing they know, they're on their back. I'm like, what? How did he do that? They were like in shock. These were lawyer-type guys here, and they were surprised what he pulled on them. Now, there's some implications for us today from this. We all, number one, we all have obligations to the state. We all have obligations to our government that as long as it doesn't conflict with our duty to God. We have obligations. There's some things the Bible teaches very clearly about this that don't conflict, as long as they don't conflict with our duty to God. Romans 13. In Romans 13, Paul says, verse 1, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers." Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. 1 Peter 2, in 1 Peter two thirteen, it says this. Another passage very close to this is, that was Paul, this is Peter here. 1 Peter 2, 13 says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. So, that's pretty... That's not the American way, is it? All right, anyway, we won't go to the revolution. We're not going to deal with the revolution here. But, but we owe Uncle Sam taxes. Looking at these passages, we owe him. We may not like it. We can try to vote in another group that will not tax us the same way, although as history has shown, it doesn't really matter who's there. It's pretty much the same taxes, right? Uh, so it rarely matters who we vote in. But, but if we live in the USA today, we have no choice. We must pay taxes or we're stealing. We're stealing. We're disobeying God. We also not only owe taxes, but it says here we also owe the elected officials respect Respect. And that goes for our president. We may or may not res like the person. Well, I'm going to say it this way. We may or may not respect the person, but we have to respect the office. And you know I pick on all the presidents as we go. If you've been here long enough, you've heard all the Republicans and Democrats pick that. I, 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 I don't mean pick on, but I biblically critique Okay, so if you don't think I just only pick on one party or the other, no. All presidents, 
make biblical mistakes that, which cost our, our country. And if you've been here long enough, you've heard that. All right? uh, but, but we still have to respect the office. With President Obama, we as Christians must respect his authority. We have to do that. You probably notice if you tell an, a, a, an Obama joke, I usually don't, I might, okay, I might smile, but I try not to get too into it. You pass, you send me an email, I don't pass them on. I might laugh, okay, I might laugh, because they're, sometimes they're funny, but, but anyway. But you know what, I don't pass them on because you know why? We've got to respect the guy. We, we have to respect him. Also, not only respect him, but it says here in 1 Timothy 2, listen to this, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, I urge then, first of all, the request, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. So not only do we have to pay, but we have to pray. We have to pray for those who are in authority, including our president. But I know what some of you are thinking right now. But God didn't mean this guy. No, no, he didn't. Look what he's doing to our country and to us as Christians. He couldn't mean this guy. Listen, Paul's president was a guy named Nero. 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 When Paul wrote this, Nero was the president of Rome. All right? And President Obama may have his faults, but at least he's not crucifying and, and using Christians as human candles for his parties. That's happening around the world, and he's overlooking that, but that's a whole other thing, right? We won't go there today. So the, keep this in mind. Whenever we, we, there is important to, to pay and to pray and to respect. Does that mean we give our government total support that we never go against them? No, because what did Jesus say? Give to God what is God's. And sometimes that is in conflict with the government, Right? But it must be a biblical issue. This is very, very important to understand. Not something we just don't like. We might not like taxes and what the president's doing with our taxes. We may not like gun control. You, you know, people on both sides of that issue. But we might not like what this president is doing with gun control. We might not like Obamacare, you know, and what it's costing us. And we can do all we can. It's okay as a Christian to do all we can to try to vote against these things and try to influence. But if... But we do, on these issues, we must submit to the law. We have to pay our taxes and pay our respect. Because these aren't biblical issues. These are personal issues. But if the president or the law of the land goes against the law of God, it goes against God's word, then we are called to do what? To obey God over man. In fact, in Acts 5, 27 to 29, and this is, this is important to understand, not personal decisions, but biblical issues that are clearly laid out. In Acts 5, 27 to 29, it says, the apostles were called in and they're being told that they're not allowed to witness anymore and they're being threatened. And it says here, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin, that's the ruling party of the Jews, the rulers of the Jews, to be questioned by the high priest we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than men. 
We must give God our ultimate obedience when it conflicts with our government. And this is where biblical issues come in. Biblical issues, not personal, biblical issues. Our president is opposed to many biblical moral issues. And this is an important thing to understand. And where that's the case, we have, we have a whole other higher power to, to obey. Abortion comes to mind. A big one. Abortion is very, very serious. In Numbers 35, 33, Moses says, Do not pollute the land where you are. Bloodshed pollutes the land, and atonement cannot be made for the land in which blood has been shed except by the blood of the one who shed it. Talking about killing here, murder, which is exactly what abortion is. Now, if you're here and you struggle, with, have had a history with abortion, you know I've talked about this many times. God's mercy and grace is there for everyone. And if you still have not repented and have the pain of that, Talk to Kim. She'll connect you with one of the ladies. If your guy talk to me, I'll connect you with the men. We have many people who have gone through this and have found healing and can help you. So I want to stress that. This is not to bring up old wounds if you've made peace with God on this. But abortion is very, very serious. It pollutes the land. The president was in the news today with this whole global warming pact and, and pollution. And, hey, I don't like pollution. I like to breathe clean air. I'm from the farm. Yeah, it's different kind of bad air. But anyway, the, the, I, like, I like clean air, believe me. But there's a lot more serious pollution going on than by factories and by any industry. It's bloodshed. That's what God will judge the land for. Very, very serious. And we must do all that we can to fight against this evil. That does not include violence. You all saw what happened recently with this guy who had some kind of religious background who went into a Planned Parenthood and, and shot people. That, that, is, that is so wrong. That put that guy on the same level as the people inside, right? The shooter was going against the Bible when he went in and shot those people. He put himself on the same level as the abortionists and the people working inside the abortion clinic. But I always make sure I, it's a horrible act what he did. But let's not forget the horrific acts that were going on inside the Planned Parenthood too. Because I have people come up and needle me because they know my position, biblical position. Say, oh, you see what that guy did? You know, the shooting of people. I said, I said it was terrible. It was horrible. It, but it's, it, was, he, it was just as bad as what was going on inside Planned Parenthood. Then they don't know what to say. I said, except they, he wasn't shooting them to take their body parts to sell them. It's unbelievable, isn't it? We must do anything that we can do to stop abortion. Anything that we can legally do, we should do. And anything that we can personally do, we should be doing. Even though it goes against what the government wants in our country, and even though it goes against a so-called Supreme Court, little ass Supreme Court, we should do all we can. Help those who are struggling. There are many... Men and women wrestling with should they have abortions, be involved with abortion. And it's very important that we help people who are struggling with that and help them through that process and help them after the baby is born and keep on helping, which, you know, we do over and over and over again. It's also important that we repent if you've been involved with abortion in some way. And I know probably about half of, half of us have been at some point. 
statistically. We need to get our healing. And I already talked about get, talk to me about getting your healing. We have to repent of an, our unbiblical attitude of not caring when it comes to abortion. I, I hear Christians too often say, well, I don't personally think it's okay, but I respect the, the right of others to choose. I'll bet if I said to those same people, hey, yeah, my dog is going to have puppies, I decide to kill him. Or our cat was having kittens, I decided to kill the kittens. I bet they'd be horrified. I know they would be. But I, but I would say, yeah, but you don't understand. This is how I did it. I left the paws still in, in, the, in the mother, and I killed the puppy before the paws came out. It, so it wasn't really a puppy. Right? Isn't that, isn't that what it is? It's crazy. It's crazy. Because we have been deceived into a delusion. What if it, well, apply it to slavery? Well, I don't personally think it's, I don't personally own a slave, but I think I respect the right of others to own slaves. I don't personally think it's, I don't, wouldn't personally rape somebody, but I, I think other people have the right to do that. It's their choice. That's how insane this, this, this issue is. And we as Christians, and the problem with having that mentality that I don't personally think it's right, but I wouldn't do it, the problem with that is the result of that attitude is we don't do anything about it. That's the problem with that. We need to be doing something. We need to be praying. We need to be involved. They send out emails all the time about legislation. We need to be involved in crisis pregnancy centers, which you've heard. We need to be you know, going to prayer events. We need to have relationships with people. And as they're struggling with whether to have an abortion or not, we help them to have, give that, that baby life. Very, very important that we do that. Biblical issues that we have to take our stand against our government on. Israel's another one. It's well known that this president administration is the most anti-Israel ever. Ever. We as Christians must defend Israel. We must stand up for them. And any form of anti-Semitism anywhere, we must take a stand against it. The Bible commands that. Another issue, sanctity of marriage. We must take our stand. It's going to cost us. Look at the people who wouldn't bake the cake, right? Now they're losing their business. Huge, huge fines. I mean, can you imagine? Free speech, right? But, but we're going to have to take our stand when it comes to marriage. With witnessing. You've probably noticed different laws that have been passed that, that are trying to squeeze, trying to squeeze the, our chance to share about Christ in public venue, where you can't share Christ in the workplace. You can't, in, in pub, out in public in any way, they're trying to squeeze it here in, in USA Today. Acts 5, that's what it was all about. They're trying to silence Christians from telling the truth, from speaking the truth in love. But we must speak the truth in love. If we really love God, and we really love people. We don't say all these things because we don't love people. It's not mean. It's because we love them. If I didn't care about them, I'd go back to the farm. Right? Let people live the way they want. Who cares if they're living these lives that go against God's word and they're ending up dying in, in destructive lives and in miserable lives? All these things are misery. It's horrible. But if we love people, we're going to tell them even though, it, even though it hurts. It hurts them and us to stick our neck out like that. But that's what love is. We love God. 
And we love people enough to tell them something, even though they're going to get mad at us, say bad things about us, even though we might face persecution in this country, uh, even though we are going to face persecution in this country, we speak the truth in love. And if we don't love people, then don't say it, because if you say it without love, you're just going to do damage. Speak the truth in love. Will we share God's truth, the truth of God's love, no matter what it costs us? The apostles were told to shut up. We read that in Acts chapter 5. But what did they do? Let's look back at Acts chapter 5. A couple verses further. We looked at 27 and 29, but let's pick it up with verse 40, where he says, They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. We must obey God. And not only must we obey God, but we must also accept the consequences. Trust God and accept the consequences. When we do go against the government in some way, like they did. They were going against their government. They were flogged for it. Obeying God, but we also accept the consequence of that. Because we trust God that he has a purpose in whatever we're going through. Paul and Peter, who wrote these passages, were both killed. Paul was beheaded and Peter was crucified upside down. Per his own request. We accept the consequence. But we love God and people enough. To speak the truth in love. How is God speaking to us today? Are we giving to Caesar what is Caesar's? Are we paying what we owe and praying? Are we paying the money and paying the respect and praying for our leaders, even our president who seems to be against Christ? More importantly, are we giving to God what is God's? Our lives. Our lives. Our obedience. Our holiness. Are we glorifying God through our lives? That's the most important thing we can give God is, is a holy life. A life that glorifies him. Are we speaking the truth in love? Are we that salt and light that Jesus talked about? Light to the world. Are we that light? This Christmas season, every time you see Christmas lights, remember, that's me. It's in the dark and those lights look so beautiful. They stand out in the dark. We are in dark times. We can really stand out for Jesus Christ. Are we taking that stand? And, and not only does God want, not only as Christians are we giving God what is God's our lives, but maybe you're, here and you're not a Christian yet. Have you ever given your life to God? That's the first step. Have you ever given your life to God? Do you realize that he gave the life of his one and only son for you so that you could have real life, eternal life? That starts right here. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ and give your life to him, you get a brand new life here and you get life forever with God someday. Do you have that? John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus was born at Christmas for a purpose, so that he could die for us, so that he could die on a cross in our place and take our sin, take our punishment on himself. So that if we put our faith in him, our trust in him, just as the Jewish people put their trust in the sacrifice of the lamb to save them, to wash away their sin, we put our trust in the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. That was a picture of Jesus coming someday as the lamb of God. And he would die in our place. He was a sacrifice in our place. If we put our faith in him, our trust in him. Let's pray. Have you ever given your life to God? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? The one who died on the cross in our place to take our punishment. The one who rose from the dead so that we could have brand new life someday. To give us the power to live a new life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can have that life right now. This could be the most special Christmas you've ever experienced because you've given your life to Jesus Christ right where you're sitting. The prayer of faith. God, I believe Jesus died for me. He was sacrificed for me. I'm putting my faith in him. My complete trust in Jesus. My hope in him. I repent of my old life. Anything that goes against your word, I repent of. I ask you to forgive me if you have just given your life to God, he has given you a gift, a second gift. He gave his first gift, his son Jesus, and now he has given you eternal life that starts right now. His Holy Spirit is living inside of you and your life will never be the same. I want to encourage you to tell somebody If you came with a family member or a friend or tell me on the way out or fill out the card, stick it in one of the boxes, email, text, anything. Let let me know. Let somebody know about your, your faith in Christ because we're going to be excited and we're going to encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe we are convicted about our government and paying and praying and respecting our government. Maybe our prayer is about putting God first. There's something that we need to make the commitment to put God first that goes against our culture or our government or our sinful flesh. But by faith, we need to say, God, I'm going to put you first. 
I'm going to speak the truth in love. Maybe there's somebody God is putting on our heart to speak that truth. Maybe even just to invite to a Christmas Eve service. Father, I pray that as we come to this Christmas season, 12 days to go, every time we see a Christmas light at night, in the darkness, that would remind us, remind us that we are that light, that you've called us to be that light in a very, very dark world and getting darker all the time. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move in us, that we wouldn't buy the world's lies or buy Satan's lies, but we would think biblically that your word would be what transforms our mind. We wouldn't be conformed to the world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and it would change the way that we live. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.